All right, let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 8 this morning. I have like a, a couple weeks in between uh, what we're going to start with the parents and young people coming up. So I'm going to fill it in with uh, what I'm going to do after that's over. And uh, we're going to start this morning in Romans 8. This is actually one of my favorite Bible verses here in Romans chapter 8. It's a, it's a sweet and precious promise that the Lord gives to us, but it's important that we understand how the promise works. How many ever got um, bought insurance for something and uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't really check fully into what the insurance covered and then when you needed to use that insurance, it didn't cover what you needed it for? Yeah, well... Uh, you know, sometimes when we go on big trips and you spend a lot of money for tickets, you buy, uh, you know, you purchase travel insurance on that ticket. And, uh, of course, it doesn't cover certain things, which you don't anticipate happening. You try and use the coverage and they tell you, oh, I'm sorry, your coverage, your reason for uh, asking to have the insurance policy cover this doesn't actually qualify under the reasons. So it's important when you get a promise, you understand how to qualify the promise. Amen? And uh, I've heard this preached in different ways. I find this to be a conditional promise. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for each one that's come. It's really good to see Harvey and Kim. I pray you bless them today in the services. And Lord, each and every one, Father, uh, keep those that are on the roads uh, safe, Lord. I pray that you'd bless in our time that we have together today. And Lord, that it be for your honor and for your glory. Bless those that are sick and under the weather still. Raise them to health and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans 8, 28, we're going we're gonna to be covering a, a series of lessons on how to be positive in a negative world. Doesn't that sound so nice? I mean, that's pretty nice for me. I'm going to preach on being positive, having a positive, I mean, something I don't usually do. So that's good. I'm sure I can find a way to preach it in a negative way. But, <clears throat> I, I mean, I wouldn't want to disappoint you all after all. You come here expecting to hear something nice, and I, you actually hear something nice, it would be probably disappointing at this point. But let's notice a couple verses just to prove that I can preach a positive thing in a negative way. Let's look at what Romans 8.28 does not say. Hey, listen. <coughs> Modern day Christianity is all this, you know, feel good, positivity stuff. You know the Bible is a negative book? The majority of the Bible is negative. Amen? There are some positives, but with Christ, you can turn negative things into positive things. Amen? So Romans uh, 8.28, and uh, once we finish with our... Um, our course that we're going to do with the, with the teenagers and the adults on friendship, we're going to be kind of following along exactly what the teens are doing in their Sunday school class. That way, when you sit around the table, you're going to be able to talk about these things. And uh, they're pertinent for us as adults as well. Amen? 
So let's see what uh, Romans 8.28 does not say. It does not say that we can hope that all things work together for good. Or that we can wish that all things... You know, I'm, I'm really glad that the Bible has so many definitive statements in it that we can know. Amen. Amen. I'm glad there's some things we can know. Amen. You know, you talk to people about the Bible. You talk to people about salvation. Well, how can you know which Bible is the right one? Well, you can know. Right. That's why the Bible tells us, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You can know that the King James Bible is the word of God to the exclusion of all others. You can know that. It takes a little study. It takes a little work. It takes a, a few history classes. But you can be confident that we have the Word of God in our hands. And that's a very valuable knowledge. Do you realize how many people just kind of wander around in religion today not knowing if that's really what God meant or not knowing if that's really what God said? If you cast out on God's word and you don't know that you have God's word, you really don't know anything he says is true. So thank God we know we have God's word. Amen? Thank God we can know that. Thank God that our salvation, we can know that we're saved. Amen. I like very clear definitive statements like basically if you have the son, you have life. And if you don't have the son, you don't have life. You know, John wrote that ye may know that ye have eternal life. That's a good thing to know. Amen. We don't have to hope on this verse. If you qualify, this is something you can take to the bank. It's not a hit or miss. It's not a hope so. It's not a sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's, we can know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Amen. Amen. That is an exceeding precious promise. Amen. Amen. This is a truth that you can have confidence in. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And I know this may seem fundamental, but the thing is, we know a lot about God's word. The problem is we don't believe it. If we believed that we'd live a victorious Christian life, we'd have joy. We wouldn't live in the mopey dopes. Amen. We would, be, we would have a joyful Christian life. Amen. If we knew these things to be true. Look what it says here in Philippians 1.6. Being confident. You know, I love confidence. I love having confidence. Amen. But I'll tell you what. I cannot have confidence in my flesh. Because in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and this body of flesh lets me down. I have a son here, 18 years old, that's walking around like a 90-year-old man this morning. And, you know, these young gaffers, strong and, you know, I was going to say nimble, but I don't know how nimble he is. But, you know, they, they take a, the pride, the glory of a young man's is strength. But you know what? Even that can diminish. Amen. I mean, he's walking around this morning like... Hey man, I played net last night, got a Luke shot off my ankle, and then bobbled one off my knees, and you know what? I'm feeling pretty surprised. <laughs> hey man! And here's my here's Owen. <laughs> Bless his heart. I tell you, you better not put confidence in the flesh. 
Amen. And I'm not, amen, because I know next week I might be, you know, walking around like that. But put no confidence in your flesh, amen. But you can be confident of this very thing. I like that. That's very definitive. That's very defined. There's one thing in your life you can be confident of, and that is that he, Christ, which hath begun a good work in you, salvation, amen, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, the coming again of the Lord. You know what God says? You can be confident of this, that what he started in you, Brother Steve, he'll perform it. You know, God started in us the work of salvation through Calvary, amen, when we we got saved. And, And that is a work of God. It's not of works of man, lest any man should boast. It's the work of God in our life. And Paul said, you can be confident of this thing, that what he started in you, he will perform it. Now, you got to admit, in our Christian life, we try to perform the Christian life. We don't always succeed. Our works don't always succeed. We want to live right. We want to obey God. We want to do these things. But the fact of the matter is, we don't always do that. But his work, he will perform it until the day of Christ. You may not perform fully, but you can be confident of one thing, this very thing, that what he started, he will perform. Amen. Amen. You know, you didn't save yourself. He saved you. That's the work he began. And he will keep performing that work until the day of Jesus Christ. There are things that you can be confident of like that. You can know, Romans 8, 28, you can know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are called according to the purpose. Now, it does not say that we can hope so or think so. It says we may know so. It does not say that all things are good. You notice in, in verse 28, in, in Romans 8, it says that we may, may know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say that everything in your life is going to be good. It says that all things work together for good. Listen, in case you didn't realize this yet, bad things happen in life to good people. I mean, we'll speak very generally and generic as good people. I know the spiritual ones will come after and say, Pastor, there's none righteous. No, not. I know that. But in Christ, we are righteous. In Christ, we are good. And you know what? Even to people who are in Christ, bad things happen. Amen. It's, it's heartbreaking. My nan, after my grandfather died, uh, Gramp was a good man. He was a godly man, but he was not an outwardly loving man. He loved Nan, but he never was one to express it too much. And he passed away in 1999. And, um, and she remarried about 10 years later to a man who was very outwardly loving. And he doted on her and loved her. And Nan got treated like the queen that she was all those years. And Sterling, and, and he passed away, and Nan said something so heartbreaking. My grandmother is a godly lady, Amen. I'm telling you. Anybody that knows her, anybody that can examine her legacy yes, that's left behind her, she's a godly woman. Yes, and she said to my mom, it was heartbreaking, she said, Cindy, do you know how it is to have your heart broken in two twice? It's a bad thing. It's an expected thing. I mean, at 92 years old, you're going to die. <laughs> But it's a sad thing. 
for her. Bad things happened. I mean, they lived for each other. She lived to say, Sterling, are you okay? And he lived to say, yes, Anne, I'm doing okay. You know, this was their relationship, but it was good for each other. But bad things happen in, in the lives of good people, amen? It doesn't say that everything in your life will be good. There are bad things that will happen in good people's lives. I mean, just ask Job. <laughs> he was a man that feared God, hated evil, amen, loved his family. Remember, he's going down there and making offerings for his family just in case they sinned. And all in one day, he lost everything he had, and all his children and wife said, curse God and die. And sometimes we're so hard on Job's wife, but I mean, put yourself in her position. I'm not giving an excuse for her saying that, but I am saying she had a bad day too. And in all that, the Bible says, Job 1.22, Job sinned not, nor charged God Foolishly, In other words, he did not bring an accusation against God saying, how dare you, God, or why, God? He just said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Yep. Amen? And, and, you know, we nod and we smile and, oh, Job, he was such a man. Amen? And make no plans of doing that for ourselves. If all your children died today, would you say, blessed be the name of the Lord? Or would you say, why God? I've tried to serve you, God. I've tried. I mean, I don't want to think about my children dying. <coughs> but we, we commend Job, but then we don't act like him when our time comes. And by the way, we always live in expectation that it will never come to us. That bad things will happen like they happen to Job. And when they do, it rocks our world because we don't trust Romans 8.20. You say, how could God ever bring any good out of such tragedy? Well, I guess you just have to trust him. See? So the Bible does not say that all things are good. Three, it does not promise for all things to work together for good to everybody. I've been waiting for God to work this out for good, for me to see some kind of silver lining in this cloud. Well, do you love God? Are you, call, are, are you walking in the calling of his purpose? Amen? We, we always need to make sure that when we look at these verses, we look at it within its context. Some people, like I say, they bring accusations against the Lord. He's not working this out. This isn't come. It says, first of all, to them that love God. Look at John 14. John 14. Do you love God? You say you love God. We say we love God. But do we really love God? You know, you, you, you ladies, man, you're married in here, you know how easy it is to say I love you. You know, it's like, you know, when your kids get to a certain age, you have to prod them to tell you, I love you. You know? Dad, come on, tell the old man, tell Poppy how much you love him, how much you forget. Come on, son, come on. Here, put one right here, you know. And, oh, Dad, you know. 
You got to try and convince them that they still love you, that they still need you, amen, and, and all that kind of stuff, amen. But but you, your children will demonstrate their love for you by how they obey you. You can you can have a you could have a child who's very loving, spoken in a spoken way. Oh, I love you, mom. Steal cookies, steal cookies, steal cookies. Where would all my baking go? It seems like I'm baking all the time. <clears throat> you know? If you love me, you'll obey. Amen. Amen. That's what the Lord said on a test of love in John 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Do you have his commandments? Come on, children of God. Do you have his commandments? Do you keep them? Come on, tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. Amen? Those that have them and keep them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved in my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You know, we as Christians, we always want... The, the security and comfort of God manifesting himself to us. Did God love us? Yeah. Oh yeah, he sent his son to die for us. Does he love us? Yeah. yeah, he does. But you know what? We want to see his love, especially when we're going through hard times, don't we? God, show if you love me, I need you to show me you love me. <laughs> he says, look, if you have my commandments and you keep my commandments, he it is that loveth me and I will manifest myself to him. Yes, sir. When you get in the middle of a trial and you feel all alone and it seems like God's not there, it's probably as a result of you're not loving him like you should. You want to see God manifest himself in your life, maybe find his commandments and do them. Yeah, Stop you know, stop uh, feeling bad and stop all this other stuff and just find out what you can do in God's word and do it. Amen. And then God will show himself to you. Oh God, if you're, if you're there, if you're there, if you're there, what about his promise? I will never leave you. So if you're saying, God, if you're there, you show yourself. No, you shut up and believe his word and start doing what he said and he will show himself. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's it. Amen. Doesn't promise that everything will work together to everyone, but to them that love God. Not to them whom God loves, to them that love God. He loves us. Amen. But do you love God? You say, oh, amen. Are you doing what he says do. Amen. So, that's what he says. John 15, since we're right there, verse 10. If ye keep my... This is a great verse, actually. He commands us in verse 9. Look what it says at the last part of that verse. Do you see that? Continue ye. Continue ye in my love. He wants us daily walking in his love. You know, you can do anything when you're in love. 
Now, I know some of you, how, who, who's got the, the oldest marriage in the room this morning? We've only got 20 years. There's somebody more than 20. Who's got more than 20? 42. How many you got, Miss Kim? 30. Brother Ronnie? 42 years? 40? 40, 42. Miss Julie, how many you have? Same as them. Same as them. 40, 40, 42. Any more? 33 and a half. That's, that's less than 42, but that's a good number right there. Brother Richard? 45. Whew, 45 years. Is that, is, that the, is that the best one right there? 40? You, know, you know how easy it is when you're in love? To go, you say, well, it's, we've had rough times. Yeah, but remember the times when everything's good? I'll guarantee you what's there is love. In love. When you're in love, when you got the little pitter-patter going on, you can do anything. You can go to work every day with a smile. Why? You're making money for your honey. <laughs> you're in love. You don't mind. It's okay because I'm taking home the bacon. Yeah, and she's going to cook the bacon. Amen. And we're going to enjoy the bacon together And when you're in love. But when you're enduring certain seasons, oh, you know what the Lord says? You know what he's saying by continue ye in my love? He's saying continue to be in love with me. Don't let your love grow cold. Be in love with me. You, do you, can you recognize a time in your life or a day maybe or the, a moment when you were just in love with God? And it was like he was there right next to you. Like, man, nothing could be better. Brother Chris got something during the revival meeting that was something because the guy was like texting me like a fear. I mean, he was walking in love with the Lord. Amen. Man, when it gets like that, you're telling other people about it. You have the joy of the Lord. I mean, you're in love. And the Lord says, hey, I want you to keep walking in love with me. Amen. Amen. He says, and he says, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Now, I'll guarantee you to go 45 years or 42 years or 30 years or 20 years, there's got to be an element of love. I mean, as easy as divorce is in these days, if there wasn't at least an element of love, you'd just divorce. But there's something there. There's, there's, it may not always be displayed. It may not always be the way you want it to be, but there's, there's an element of love. And he says here, he says about abiding in love. But you know, it's one thing to know it's there, that yeah, they're still here, they, they must still love me. <laughs> and like your wife making that meal that you love, putting it in front of you and leaning over your shoulder, kissing you on the cheek and saying, I love you, honey. Can't wait till supper's over. <laughs> right? You're, you're abiding in that love. It's not just having love for each other, but you're living in it. You're living. 
you guys should be like nervously giggling at each other right now. Like, <laughs> like Levi wants to be with whoever he's imagining it is in. Right? You, you should know what I'm talking about abiding in that love. You know in, the, you know in your marriage when you're just plodding and everybody's doing what is their duty to do and they're obligatorily saying, I love you, this and that, but you're not feeling the love. <laughs> oh, it's so much better to abide in, the, in that love. Amen. He said, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I <coughs> have kept my Father's commandments. He, he gives us an example and says, abide, I abide in his love. <coughs> These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might be full. Now, might remain in you and might be full. Now, let me, me remind you, the fruit of the Spirit is what first? Love. <coughs> you can live on love. Okay? You can. You can live on love. The first fruit is love. And the Lord said, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, continue in my love. And he said, I write these things. Why? That your, what's the second fruit? Joy. That your joy might be full. You see, if you fall out of love, you're going to start messing up the rest of the fruit in the vineyard. Amen? He wants your joy to be full. Amen? And I'm telling you something right now. If you have love, true love, that you're abiding in in your life, that has produced joy, that love and joy combined brings about peace. You say, we don't have any money. It doesn't matter if you love and you're happy. And you have joy. You say, well, Louis, you should see the old piece of junk we drive. You start laughing about how far you've driven that piece of junk. Right, Lechman's? I remember Brother Abe's like, he picks us up at, out in Portage. He picks us up in his uh, expedition, and the, the airbag suspension in the back had given way. So we were like, <laughs> and he keeps apologizing like this, and I, I'm thinking, he's thinking about moving to Nova Scotia. I wonder if he's bringing this. <laughs> and he did. he did. Must be living on love. Amen. But that's how it is. I remember my parents, 540,000 kilometers on a Volkswagen Jetta. They were living on love. Amen. And it wasn't a grumble fest. It was a, let's see how many more kilometers we can get out of this thing. Amen. You know what I'm saying? It's this promise of Romans 8, 28 is made to them that love God, that are abiding in his love, that are continuing. You say, oh, I don't see how this is going to work out for me. Maybe you better check your love. And don't come to the pastor and ask, I don't know how to reignite the love. Yes, you do. You just got to realize it takes work. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every one of us knows how to love. You know why? We've been loved. If you're saved here this morning, you've been loved. You know how to love. You've been given the premium example. Don't ask me for a step-by-step -step process. I don't know how to love him. Give yourself for him. 
I don't know how to love her. Give yourself for her. Don't come to ask for a process from me. I'm working on my own. Amen. 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 Now, he, God's not expecting sinlessness out of you. Amen. If he was, he wouldn't make the promise to anybody. But he's writing to those who are striving to please God and walk in his love. It's also to them who are the called according to his purpose. And he goes on to explain in verse 29 what that purpose is. <coughs> he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. This is not a Calvinistic verse. Amen. He's telling you that those that he predestinated, amen, uh, those that he foreknew, those that he knew would be saved, he predestined them, he planned before time for them to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And that's what we do in our Christian life. Yes, sir. Amen. amen. God knew who would be saved, and so before time, he planned for them to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's his calling on your life. Be conformed to the image of his Son. That's why he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what is that? That you be conformed to his son. And you know something? When you love God and when you have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, your desire is to be more like him. To be more like him. Amen? So there's a promise to those that are called according to his purpose. And this promise of eventual good is made to those who are seeking to fulfill God's will in their life. Amen? So what it does not say is that you're hoping in this. What it does not say is that everything is good. And what it does not say is that this promise is universal. There are qualifications. So what does it say to us? This verse, let's read it one more time. Let's read it together. Romans 8 and 28. If you're there, let's read together. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So what does this verse say to us? It says that I can know that God will bring eventual good out of every situation that he allows to come into my life. Now one thing I'll admonish you. Don't try and figure out his ways. Just let him work. You're never going to find out his ways. They're higher. They're greater, amen? Just let God work. Amen. You know, that's when you have to have that other fruit of the Spirit, patience, and long-suffering that we're not great at. You know, you're just going to have to wait. But there's a great promise to those that wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. If you'll wait on God, your strength will be renewed day by day. Amen? You, you'll be like the eagle. Mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. That's a great and exceeding and precious promise to those that wait upon the Lord. Amen? So let's look at a couple things this verse does say before we finish this morning. Number one, God allows short-term not good in our life. Detest us. You say, that's mean. 
Well, let's see. Let's look at um. Let's look at uh. Well, where do I want to go here? I wrote the verse down. Let's look at First Peter four. Let's look at First Peter four. Let's see if this is mean or if this is purifying. realize how dumb we would be if nothing bad ever happened to us? We're going to have bad happen to us because we're flesh. But when those things happen, to know and have confidence that God can make it work together for good, if you qualify, that's a great precious promise. That God will allow short-term not-goods in our life to test our love and our commitment to his purposes. Let's look at this, um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, you know I love that about the Lord, he's reminding us. You know if you break that word beloved down, you know what it says? Beloved. You need to let God love you. Be loved, he's saying. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. You know, sometimes when these fiery trials come along in our life, we're like, I can't believe this could happen to me. Beloved, think it not strange. Think it not strange. This has never happened to me before. I've never seen this happen before. Beloved, when God allows things into our lives, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Amen? Which is to what? Which is to try you. You know, if you took something... For just for an example, you ever taken a pen and tried it? Every time you take a pen out and mark it on a piece of paper, you're trying it. There's no guarantee it's going to work. Now, that's why I like a good pen. I don't want to go buy the dollar store pen, amen, because a lot of times you take them out of the package and you get down about half a sentence through and all of a sudden, and it's a... I like a good pen. I like to be confident that when I need to write something, it's going to write for me. Amen? But that's trying it. You're trying it. You know, you didn't think about it, but when you sat down on that chair this morning, you tried it. (laughs) Anybody ever tried and failed? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Down you go. I remember sitting up at uh, Blue Nose in one of those camp chairs that got out, left out a few too many times in the sun. Amen? And you sit down and you right through. And all that's left is the metal frame. And of course, everybody's looking at you. (laughs) You know. It's happened. Amen. You try it. You know why the Lord allows those things in our life? To try us. You know, if you took a piece of steel and you put it into a vehicle, but that steel was not tested or tried or tempered, it's not very trustworthy. 
You know, that's what a forge is for. It tempers that steel. It makes it usable. It makes you so you have some confidence in that to be able to perform the task for which it's being created. And God, the same confidence that we're to have in him, he wants to be able to have in us. And he brings that confidence through trying, through testing. He brings these things to try us. And so when these things happen, don't be... You know, there's an element in our fit. I'm sure that when Brother Matt and Miss Lindsay and baby Alexandra came along, the, tr the trial that they went through with the infection that she got was unexpected. Amen? It's not something you hope happens, but when it does, brother and sister, when it does happen, allow God to test you with are we going to keep our confidence in the Lord? Are we going to keep our faith in the Lord? Are we going to trust this precious promise that we have? Amen. It's difficult, but it's what we're supposed to do. Amen. It's given to try us as though some strange thing happened unto you. But, verse 13, but what? Rejoice. You know what rejoice means? Do it over and over and over and over rejoice in that trial. That's hard, isn't it? Physically speaking. Amen. But I'm confident it can be done. As Job stood at the funeral service of his seven children with his wife cursing God the whole way down the aisle, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. That was tough. That was tough. I think about David when that boy died that was born out of adultery. And he grieved and he grieved and he grieved. And then once it was done, he got up, cleaned himself up and went about his business and blessed the Lord, made a sacrifice and offering to the Lord. Amen. It can be done. He said, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Now, we do suffer some things not for Christ's sake, but for our own foolish sake. Yeah. But I'm telling you, that's why if you're in love with God and you're abiding in his love and continuing in his love and pursuing his will for us, which is being conformed to the image of his son, when these trials come about in our life, we have the confidence to know that God is behind this. God is in control of this. You're not so sure about God having to do with it when you're skipping church and not reading your Bible and not praying and you're not treating your brothers and sisters right and you're not being a witness and you're gossiping and murder. When all that's going on and bad things happen, you're not so sure. When you're walking with God and you're in love with God and bad things happen, you have the confidence to be able to say, I know the Lord is going to take care of this. So God will allow these things in our life. You can look at other scriptures. You know, Job 23.10. God used that, that trial in Job's life to prove something to the devil. Can you imagine if God used a trial in your life to prove the devil something? Yeah, Satan, you, you think you've got them under control? You think you've got them where you want them? Check out Skyler. Gone through some adversity. But look at him. Check out Ronnie. Boy, he's had some rough goes through his life. But here he is. 
Have you considered my servant? Amen. Can you imagine God using you like he used Job? Amen. Well, be faithful. Amen. Be faithful. God sometimes allows those things in our life. You know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's not just good memory verses. That's good life verses. Secondly, this verse teaches us that in order to achieve God's purpose, sometimes not goods will be allowed into our life. Do you know that God can achieve his purpose through something that's not good in your life? So just to give a couple examples. And, and this, is a, this is a great example because I know this happens. Let's use a light example. You know, in a, in a bit of a drought summer, the farmer's praying for rain. Amen? But over here where it's raining every, all the time, the farmer over here is praying for some sun. <laughs> and they're praying for rain and they're praying for sun. And so he gets more sun and he gets more rain. And who's right? You've got a church over here. Amen. Praying for healing for a child who needs a maybe needs a new heart transplant. And over here you've got a church praying for a, a child who's dying but has a healthy heart. And this church is praying for a heart and this child dies and something bad happens. But something good happens in answer to this. Who's right? God's right. And if they're walking with God and in love with God, they're able to find something good in something so bad. Maybe God has a plan here. You say, well, that's terrible. Yeah, but we don't operate in God's realm. That's right. <laughs> Amen. His thoughts are not your thoughts. Romans 11.33, Paul marveled, he said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You see, that's horrible that that would happen to this family. So, but it's wonderful that it happened to this family. You say, what do you do? I weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. You know, God answers your prayers at times at the expense of others. You know, you know somebody that's ever had a heart transplant or a kidney transplant. Guess what? Nine times out of ten, that doesn't come out of a living person. That came at a cost. And God answered your prayer. And somebody else paid. And when you got saved, God answered your prayer, but somebody else paid. You just have to trust God's purposes. Amen. Amen. Thirdly and finally this morning, God can take a temporarily bad situation and produce an eternally good outcome. Yeah, that's right. 
You know when my dad fell off the roof and broke his back? I'm still waiting to see the eternally good outcome. When I see my dad, I see the temporal loss. I think, why would God take a pastor, of which we don't have enough, and take a good one and allow his back to be broken so that he has to continue on pastoring with all this deficit now. How can God... I mean, prior to that, God called me out to come here. God called Brother Joey out of that church to go there. God then called Brother Bud out. You know, when I left, Joey replaced me. When Joey left, Bud replaced him. And when Bud left... There really hasn't been anybody to replace him and you're left scratching your head thinking, why would God allow that? If he knew that dad wasn't going to have a fourth guy to help him along, why would God break him? And you know what? I still am, I am not questioning God, but I'm still wondering over it. And I mean that. Wondering in the sense of, oh, the depth and riches of the wisdom of God. I don't know. I still don't see it. I don't understand it. But I trust it. I trust it. And you want to know what my dad's life verse is? And we know that all things you know that was my dad's life first before his accident? And he's living it through that accident. God can take temporarily bad situations and produce eternally good outcomes. You just need to remember that God is good, He's wise, He's perfect. And he loves to glorify himself by taking the bad of this life and turning it into something good for them that love God. You say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's happened. I don't, but I know God. I know us. I know people like us. We're all the same. We're all full of failure. We're all full of shortcomings. We're all full of disappointments. But I know God. You say, I'm disappointed in you, Pastor. Join the club. (laughs) I've been discouraged by you, Pastor. Make a Facebook group. (laughs) Mourn for each other. Weep for each other. You know, you can have a pastor's club. They're so disappointed in the people. They're just crying. Listen, we disappoint. We discourage. We don't meet expectations. But I know a God. I know a God. And when we do things together like we did yesterday, that builds us. Yes, sir. You know, it did not go, by the way, as we anticipated, really. There was definitely some ups and definitely some downs. But everything that happened in here for me was all up. I'm encouraged. 
I'm encouraged that a lot of people received gospel tracts. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm encouraged that those that were able to go got to spend a great day together. And I'm confident that those that were not able to go were praying for those that did. Amen. And so all th- you say, well, I wasn't expecting. Hey, listen. All things work together for good. We know this. To them that love God, to them are called according to purpose. Just make sure when you need to call on Romans 8, 28, you fit the bill for it to work. Yeah, that's it. Amen. Father, we ask your blessing on what we've heard in the morning service in Jesus' name.